0: Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you will be fine without it
1: Hello everybody welcome to the minimalist podcast where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less My name is Joshua Fields Milburn and
2: I am Ryan Nicodemus and together we are the minimalist How's my
1: hair man I forgot to check my hair before we did this video (laughs) And you're looking good (laughs) Thanks man So good this is episode 167 today we're going to talk about collectibles Oh nice all of our collections we get to talk about Yeah I brought in my collection (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: collection of nothing my collection how come of- your
2: collection of nothing is better and bigger than mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> my, my less is more than your less <laughs> oh man all right our first question today is from james in the uk i've got
3: lots of things um and such things as maybe a book uh, i've got i'm looking at a nice very very nice copy of the hobbit and i'm wondering if i ever read it again um, but it's got personal memories, and it's a good decoration, I suppose, but I'm not sure just how much value I get out of it. Um, I'm wondering what your kind of experiences with such things, and also uh, like, tucked away in storage under my bed, and, you know, here and there. I've got things like um, old consoles and things which might become collectible in 50-odd years' time, and it's very unlikely because so many people have bought these things, but how will I know
1: that i'll never need them again all right so so ryan i'm thinking here he said a few things that really stood out to me hmm. first off he says he said i have a lot of a lot of things yes and then he gives an example like books and then he gives a more specific example like a a nice copy a very nice copy mm-hmm. of the hobbit not mm-hmm. just a nice copy but a very nice copy and he said i wonder whether i'll ever read it again and then he said something that really stood out to me hmm. He said, it has personal memories, and it's a good decoration, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm all for having decorations I'm all having for, I'm all ha- for having things that trigger memories but mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is the memories aren't in that object the memories are inside you and sometimes the things can trigger memories but if it's just sitting there collecting dust you know you're never going to use it then I don't think the one book is a problem though was obviously it, right did he say it was sitting on a bookshelf
2: I think it was like
1: tucked away somewhere he said right well, like then, just kinda... he did ask he said well, he, w- there are other things he has. He said, well, I've got things tucked away in storage mm. under my bed here and there. Like
2: the hobby. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, he said, I've got old consoles which might become collectibles in 50 years. How will I know <laughs> if I ever yeah. need them again?
2: Yeah, so it's it, it sounds like he's holding on to something uh even this copy of the hobbit because it might be worth something in 50 years
1: and and i think it's you know what here it, the, the might thing it stands out right because everything might be a collectible such a
2: slippery slope man it,
1: absolutely so i think just because something might be a collectible that is not a good enough reason to hold on to the thing now yeah. let's talk about the book for a second because the book was the first thing he mentioned mm-hmm. and then there was the cascade of other stuff he said i have lots of things right mm-hmm. but start with that book having a book is not the problem. Even no. if you're never, ever going to use it ever again, you're never going to look at it, It's just going to sit on a shelf. The, most collections themselves, even if it's a book collection, a card collection, whatever, most collections are relatively benign. Yeah. And, and I don't think the collections themselves uh, are the, the problem. I think collecting for the sake of collecting is the problem. Mm. I think the terminus of collecting is hoarding. It, it, I mean i, I there's um when you see these these shows or documentaries of like hoarders houses it all started with the the this might I might need this someday yeah this might be worth something maybe not even to someone else but this might be worth something to me someday mm. you and I in the past uh, used to have like stacks of old magazines because mm-hmm. like well I guess I'll reference this details magazine from 2004. <laughs> and and the truth is that we never were and might it be worth more now than it was then? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe a few dollars more. Yeah. But but what is what is your sanity worth? What is your calm worth? What is the the reduction of stress worth to you? Because obviously if you're thinking about these things, they're weighing on you. What's the psychological cost mm. of of holding on to them?
2: Yeah, I mean for me when it comes to collecting things, I mean I don't have Actually, I take the back. I do have a collection of books, let's say, for example. I've got a bookshelf with some books on there. So you could technically say that is a collection of books. Uh, I don't allow that that collection to go above and beyond that bookshelf. And there are times where, uh, like the last time I think about doing that is is when James Clear sent me a copy of Atomic Habits. I went to go put it on my bookshelf. I'm like, oh, there's no room on this bookshelf anymore. So I picked out a book, put it in the donation box, and put, James book in there yeah. so uh, you know I think when it comes
1: you have a process for that when you looked at the books you, you were just like okay uh, for me my limit is this one bookshelf yeah did, did you have a process where, where you said okay um, here's the one I need to remove this one is I'm going to get more value from
2: no it's it's more about um, I look at everything that's on the shelf and I and I ask myself you know if, if I had to force myself which I was forcing myself to get rid of a book mm-hmm. which one am I going to miss the least mm-hmm. so that I I, I I I tell you what, I missed that book so little that I got rid of. I couldn't even tell you what book I pulled off the shelf and replaced uh, Atomic Habits with.
1: Ella and I were Ella, uh, my five-year-old, and her mother and I were playing this game this weekend before she went to bed, and and it was. guess my favorite thing in the house, right? It was her idea to do this. <laughs> That's so, awesome. so she like made us walk around the house, look at all the objects in the house. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we had to guess each other's favorite thing. Right. Oh, wow. And, um, it, it was fascinating what her favorite things were versus mine. And, and we started guessing things and I'm like, like, like the chair that I sit in pretty much every day, like that was in my top 10, but it wasn't my favorite thing in the house. And the way that I thought about this exercise, when she, when Ella like held my hand, dragged me around the house, the way I thought about what are my favorite things for me is, what are the things I would replace first? So this whole house just burnt down mm. today. This, this apartment building burnt down. That's a
2: great way of looking at it.
1: Well, and, and so that, I was asking about the books because it was like, well, what are the books I, I know I would replace? And maybe some of those books, you know, you would never replace. And I, I guess for, for James here, what... Would you replace that very nice copy of The Hobbit, or would you just not replace it? And yeah. maybe that that is a good marker for me. The, that is a, that is a
2: great question to ask. My, if, my, I, if this collection burnt to the ground, because uh-huh. it's it's often we get uh, people coming out to our events and they'll ask us about a collection or some kind of you know old thing that they're holding on to, and I will tend to ask them mm-hmm. if it burnt, if you if it spontaneously combusted, if you walked out of this theater and you got a phone call and that thing spontaneously combusted, how would you feel? And it's amazing because sometimes people will be like, I'd be relieved. Mm. And then other times they're like, oh yeah, I'd be devastated. I mean, that's a really good indicator on whether or not something actually is adding value to your life. Well,
1: it, it's amazing that that the devastation versus relief is, is really just a mindset. It's it's the story that we sure. tell ourselves. Yeah. However, there are some things that the all I noticed that all the things that were like sort of on my top ten, my imaginary top ten list of things, um, as Ella was dragging me around the house, they were all things that were very useful for me and and enhanced my life. So my my number one thing that no one guessed it was my pillow. <laughs> the uh, in fact, when we go on long tours, I will often bring my pillow with me and here's the thing i I don't even know what brand of pillow it is i I know i've tested a bunch but i know it works really well for me because of my back problems i got one for bex and she hated it it was like messing her neck up and Uh, like it was terrible for her so we all have these different needs as well and so just because something works for you or worked for your former self maybe mm -hmm. that hobbit book was great 10 years ago for you, but maybe you don't need it anymore.
2: Well, dude, you know, I was thinking with James's, uh, his question specifically with the Haba book, you know, he can do a little research and anyone can do this. They could take something that they're holding onto that. They're collecting consoles or books or whatever it is. They can do some research research and at least get an idea of, you know, what the demand is, whether it's something, are there only a few of these left? I mean, you, if you do a little bit of research, maybe you can get a better, Uh, a better picture on what something is going to be worth. But ultimately, like you can never really say whether or not something's going to be worth something. And if you go into it with that that attitude of, well, I'm going to hold on to things just in case they might be worth something one day then you're gonna hold on to everything.
1: I mean, investing in commodities is just a bad investment strategy in general. All the experts will tell you that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We were on Dave Ramsey last year and we were having conversations with him. And one of the first things he'll tell you is you don't wanna invest in precious metals or or different objects Mm -hmm. unless it's real estate. but, but the, the objects themselves are generally bad investments. Are there exceptions to that of course, but when you look at the percentages, if, if you're looking at objects as an investment, unless you're doing this as a full-time job and you're a, a curator, it's usually a bad, a bad investment. Yeah. Now for me also, those, those top 10 things I was, as I was going around my house and I'm like, definitely my boots, my boots, I wear them pretty much every day. Definitely these mission workshop pants that I'm wearing. The, these are like in my top 10 of things I would replace almost almost immediately yeah. um the, my bed that i sleep in, i don't even know the brand of bed i just know that after trying a bunch it was the the hardest piece of concrete i could find basically <laughs> that is something but none of these things i'm mentioning my, my chair my, my Ames chair which I, I mean is is something i sit in every single day mm-hmm. uh the chair at my desk is something that's really comfortable and i i sit in every day these are all things that aren't collectibles necessarily right maybe maybe someone could have them as collectibles but for me they have a specific use and they mm-hmm. they increase the value they they amplify my experience of life is maybe a better way to put that now let's talk about let's talk about just in case items because i think i think james is maybe holding on to a lot of these things especially with the might that might is just another word for just in case right yeah when he said what just in
2: case it's worth something someday
1: right i've got things like old councils or consoles which might become collectibles in 50 years so i'm going to hold on to them just in case is 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 the implicit statement there right? right and so uh There's a difference between just in case and just for when. Mm -hmm. We have an essay on our website. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, but here's the gist of it really quick. This is just for when. Too often we cling to the things we own just in case we might need them someday. Of course, someday rarely arrives, and yet we continue to clutch tightly to the excess in our basements, closets, attics, junk drawers, and storage facilities just in case the three most dangerous words in the English language. They encourage us to stockpile our junk as if it's essential. In reality, though, we can give ourselves permission to jettison the junk because we can replace nearly all of our just-in-case items for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes with the 2020 rule we'll put a link to the 2020 rule in the show notes as well so you can figure out what that is i think that's really helpful for a lot of folks however there are a few things we're certain we'll use in an in, in a definite or a definitive future right so there are a few things mm-hmm. that are just for win items right nobody purchases their toilet paper one square at a time Their soap one droplet at a time. Their toothpaste one nurdle at a time. Is that what that's called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You all learned a new word today. Nerdle. I taught that to uh, nerdle. I taught that to my dentist and his staff last oh, and really? Yeah. None of them even knew. But that's great. the reason I didn't know it's a, it's a marketing term, right? Nerdle mm. is, you know like Crest or someone came up with it. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the 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 dab of, of toothpaste is a is a nerdle. But you don't buy your toothpaste one nerdle at a time. So you mm. stockpile it, right? Yeah. Just for when. But it's not a just in case item. Uh, we buy a small stock. Of these products just for when we'll need them. The key to letting go then is to be honest about the trinkets we're clinging to just in case we might need them and the goods we acquire just for when we will need them. If we do this properly, our excess begins to look a lot like junk and it's easier to unload. So Ryan, I know for me that I would justify holding on to all the sure. stuff that James is, is justifying right now, right? Yeah. And, and it's so easy. We have. We can make up a million excuses in our mind. I'm gonna hold, on. and I do it. I still do it now. Where I'm like, ah, just give it a little bit, uh, a little bit more time. And mm-hmm. and there are rules that have helped me. The ninety ninety rule is one that's really helpful for me yeah. because it's just it's a little bit of a check for me. Where I'm like, okay, have I used it in the last ninety days? And in a little bit, we're gonna talk about some of the collections that you and I struggle with personally. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, this rule helps me look at those collections and and say, okay. I need to be able to be honest with myself here. Yeah. Not anyone else. Because I'm not holding on to these things. I'm not getting rid of these things for mm-hmm. anyone else. I'm I'm doing it so that I can get this excess out of the way.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I just want to reiterate too, man, that it's not... If James
1: wants to hold on to the Hobbit book, fine.
2: James, hold on to your Hobbit book. If you want to hold on to the con, con, uh, you know, consoles, fine. But but like Josh said, be honest with yourself. But when it comes to any of these collectibles, I know in my life, um, I, I have to set some boundaries up. So, if, if James, if there's something there that you absolutely feel is necessary to hold on to, you, Josh and I support you. We also support you letting it go. Mm. But ultimately, if you do have something that you just can't let go of, then, then put some boundaries up for yourself to, to help keep things in check. It sounds like he's doing a great job organizing his phone and stuff. And I think that's what James is looking for. He's looking for a little bit of an organizational tip because he doesn't want to get rid of everything. Right. And he also doesn't want to hoard. Yeah. So, he's trying to find that balance. And I think when we set those boundaries up, it helps us find that balance
1: and And a few things here that he mentioned to to think about, I mean the the book is not the problem. The mindset is is the problem, don't you think? I mean, he said, he said, "What do you say here? I, I have things tucked away in storage mm-hmm. under my bed here and there. Mm-hmm. that there's there's a particular mindset that leads to that sure. the, the just in case yeah mindset oh, absolutely. Now he also said, though, here's the justification. I'm not sure how much value I get out of it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: When I say something like that to myself. It's a w- good indicator. What? Yeah. I'm, exactly how much value you aren't getting out of it, really. Because when I, when I did that, ex- that, that little exercise, the game with Ella and Bex, and we were walking around, like, I knew right away the things I get the most value out of. Like, mm-hmm. there was no question they make my life better. Right. Do these things make your life better, James? If not, then maybe maybe it's time to think about letting go and – if you're wondering how to let go, for me I think there there are four steps on, on how to let go. Because that's really ultimately what you're asking here. How do I let go? Well, the first step is understand the what. Like what what are you letting go of? For him it's the book, mm-hmm. right? out of the consoles or whatever, yeah. So what is the what? But then what are you really letting go of? It's not the book you're letting go of. It's this mindset, it's the the inclination, the clinging is really what you're letting go of. And then understand the why. Why are you letting go of this? Are you trying to free up time for your health or you just want more space in your home? Mm -hmm. Why are you letting go? And then determine the how after that too often we, we look for the how we're just looking for how do i let go of all these things but if you just know the how then of course you'll just fill the house back up again if you don't understand why you're letting go and what you're really letting go of yeah. and then know that you'll never fully be ready to let go i mean if you wait until you're absolutely ready mm-hmm. it's you're just gonna keep waiting yeah and and and, and it's funny because
2: you don't realize you're ready until you've already letting it go letting that thing go
1: right exactly and so if you were a hundred percent ready you would have already let go right right? Mm -hmm. and then finally the the last thing is the easiest way to let go is to not bring it in in the first place and then going forward once you've started the process of letting go Mm. be really careful scrutinize the things that you're bringing back into your life yeah because you never know when you're going to want to get rid of them in the future. they those things that you bring in become a burden really quickly. And I'm reminded of this tweet. It's uh, easy to
2: bring stuff in, man.
1: It's so easy to just say yes and yes, I'm going to hold on to that. I mean, the yeah, letting go is the hardest part. You, you got we got this tweet, Ryan. Uh, uh, we're at the Minimalists on Twitter, and man, this one's going. You're going to love this one. This one's uh, from Val at Invalerie Five says. A very good day to you all. Thanks a lot for sharing such brilliant ideas. very useful for all, especially for Rwandan people. So the uh, vowel is in Rwanda. Building a nation from scratch after the genocide of 1994. We shouldn't waste or mi- waste or misuse the little we have. Mm. And so
2: that's really encouraging.
1: I, you know it's funny, we often get emails or, or messages from places like Rwanda. or from Kenya hey can you come do a tour stop here and it's like man I don't I don't even know
2: it's like going to a monastery and like (laughs) talking to
1: monks right it feels that way but the truth is the difference between the monks is they're doing that intentionally right true. yeah very and, true. And, and people in rwanda after they they lost everything during the, the genocide, absolutely yeah. but when you're even when you're forced into it or if you're not forced into it you can then once you're recovering once you're healing and that's what james is looking for a type of healing is getting rid of this stuff you have to be careful about what you bring back in and that's what val in rwanda is saying right now is, Hey, this is now an opportunity for us to be really careful about what we bring into our lives and realize that, that this idea of the American dream isn't going to make us happier. Right. Amen. Uh, well James I'd love to send you a copy of our book everything that remains it's Ryan's and my story of uh, five years from being the, the suit and tie corporate guys to jettisoning everything applying these simple rules to our lives and uh, letting go of what was not essential so it's everything that remains it's a memoir about that five year journey and I'd love for you to have a copy Sean, if you could reach out to James and send him the audiobook. If you like our podcast, you'll love the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever done, that book. But also, uh, if you'd rather have the book, book version or the ebook version, James, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. All right, y'all. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about collectibles, including advice for our audience today or any advice for James as well, leave us a voicemail 406 219 7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. It's my favorite part of the show. So stay tuned to the end of this episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at The Minimalists on those platforms. Uh, During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short shareable less than 140 character response we also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like and now you can find all of our quotes in one place minimalmaxims.com
2: indeed all right our first lightning round question is from loda are collectibles best when they're stored
1: away or when they're displayed Yes. (laughs) yes <laughs> i mean it really depends on 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 you right i had the beholder right uh my, my my snarky pithy answer is uh collectibles are best collected in a museum mm. i mean ultimately they are the best collectors of stuff yeah best curators of stuff They're
2: professional
1: collectors right like and they literally went to school to learn how to curate things exactly and and so um here's the thing if something is stored and never used that's a form of of hoarding right oh yeah if i mean literally if it's never used now if you're holding on to something because well i really want my children to have this when they turn 18 then maybe you have a specific use then you might might have to ask yourself some other difficult questions like do they really want this is this appropriate for me to hold on to this for this long etc but a collection to me, if you if you are going to get value from it, the best way to get value from it is to use it in some way. Now that could be a beautiful piece of art or uh, a bookshelf. If you look at my bookshelves at, at my house, they look great. They're like they look like pieces of art. Uh, a lot of people have commented um, on our living room conversations videos and oh yeah, look at those bookshelves. They look great. Well, that that's the point. I want them to to be functional and I use them. I actually store books on them, mm-hmm. but also they 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 look good in the space as well and to me that's the best sort of collection if you can have something that is useful but also looks great then then i think you win on, on both sides
2: absolutely uh here's what here's what i would tell loda getting behind the why of collecting will help you hold on tighter or it will help you let go faster so really, Loda, it's the eye of the beholder. You keep your things hidden. You keep them out of display. That's fine. That that's To me, that's not the important question. Mm-hmm. The important question is, is, why are you holding on to those things? And if it is a collection that you find beauty in, then yeah, absolutely, display it. No. But ultimately, getting behind that why, like you were talking about earlier, it's going to help us. Again, it's going to help us hold on tighter, or it's going to help us let go faster.
1: It doesn't do any good sitting up there in your attic, your basement, or under your bed. Amen. All right, Sierra writes
2: in. What do you do if you have a collection that brings you joy, but you are embarrassed to display it? We're talking about dildo collection, right? (laughs) Is that what we're talking about here? It's it's
1: so (laughs) funny, man. Uh, Jordan was in my house last week uh, filming a... um, uh, 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 we were doing this uh, home, house tour, a yeah, home tour for YouTube, right? And uh, he was just doing the B-roll section because I wasn't feeling very good. And Ella and, and Bex were there and we were just playing around a little bit. And, and I said, oh, you got free reign. And he's like, is there anywhere you don't want me to film? I'm like, well, we have one box in our closet. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really nice looking box. Um, and uh, it is full of sex toys, which I've talked about on on the yeah. uh, the sex podcast with Dr. Christopher Ryan. This is
2: a great example of you have a collection of sex toys mm-hmm. and you have you have a boundary set up for
1: it. Right, but I'm also not ashamed. Yeah. Of course I, not. There's a difference between shame and private. Mm. Now, is this to me it's a it is a collection I don't even look at it as a collection because I'm not collecting them. They're, they're just, they're. I don't have a collection of kitchen utensils either. I have, you I know mean, what they, I'm saying?
2: Yeah, they're not the, collector items. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, but technically, in your drawer, it is a collection of silverware. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that we're talking about for today's episode, yeah, you're not. I'm not collecting them, I'm using them. You don't have, like you know th- things in there that are still in the package right and you're like this is never coming out of the package no no this they, is a collector's they're, item they're this is the
1: star wars no i'm not even gonna go there they're, they're utensils <laughs> right and, and they're sex utensils essentially because i i uh, we we use I them i love that band sex utensils <laughs> and if i and if, <laughs> and if if i don't use them then we get rid of them mm. but um yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll share that the that bit for the Patreon subscribers, Jordan. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, like, I'm not ashamed of it, and so I, I want to talk to Sierra for a second. My my pithy answer for you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. If you're embarrassed by your things, either get rid of them or let go of the embarrassment. And there was a certainly a point in my life where I would have been very embarrassed by. Uh, having a box of sex toys especially as a minimalist I, mm. how does a minimalist like I thought you would just have missionary and that's it um, <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, uh, the the thing is though like for me uh, these are these are things that we get value from bex and I really enjoy augmenting the experience mm-hmm. right and and so um, when, when I look at that I can't be embarrassed by the fact that I get enjoyment and pleasure out of sexual intercourse with the person i love Mm -hmm. and so i had to let go of the embarrassment right and and so it seems to me like sierra maybe if you're anything like me then you might be ashamed of your identity there's a difference between shame and guilt guilt has uh says something about your actions shame says something about who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and right now there might be uh, an incongruity you might have two different selves like i used to i used to have professional jfm and personal jfm and personal jfm wanted to be a writer but i was ashamed of that in the professional world mm. because because any bit of creativity in the business world was not tolerated right, right. A- any work outside of the 80 hour work weeks was not tolerated so yeah. i was ashamed and i repressed it mm. and it sounds to me like you might have to deal with uh with the repression otherwise you're going to get rid of the stuff that you're ashamed of and hopefully that's not the case yeah sierra there's
2: no rule that says you have to publicly display everything in your life mm. that brings you joy. So you know, all I'm saying here is, is, that maybe she does have a, maybe it is a collection of dodos, mm. and she doesn't want a, those to be out for her grandmother to see them. I mean, that's that's totally that's uh, acceptable. Uh, yeah, I think. it's it's acceptable. <laughs> meaning that Sierra, yes, ask yourself if you are ashamed of something or if you're just trying to stay private. And if you're just trying to keep something private, I mean, there are many things, Josh and I, you know, we are, uh, try to be as transparent and open as possible, but there are certainly private things uh, that, that Josh and I keep part of our lives. Absolutely. And Sierra, it's okay to do that if, if you want.
1: And I think that the word you use there, transparent, is is important. There, there to me, there are sort of three layers of truth, right, that yeah. there is, there's the truth, which is the sort of first layer, what's right and wrong, Mm-hmm. And then there's openness. So, so the first layer is like I'm not l- going to lie to you, right? Right. The second layer is I'm going to be open with you about mm-hmm. about everything. The third is I'm going to be transparent with you. Yeah. I'm not completely transparent with our audience. Like you don't know my social security number. But if I was 100% transparent, sure. I'd give you my social security number. Right. Well, no. Someone can. That's something that's private. I don't allow cameras into my bedroom while Bex and I are Nothing going you know at of. it. Hey. <laughs> 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 well. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> please no one hack my iCloud <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the one thing oh well, here's the weird thing yeah if if someone did hack my iCloud and like saw all the videos I wouldn't yeah. no I I wouldn't even be that embarrassed by it I'd just be like oh okay so what <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah I mean it's like I'm I, but I don't feel the need I don't feel compelled to share those
2: with the world yeah. either yeah the, the other thing too I want to tell us here is embarrassment um, You said it's a sign that maybe she is ashamed. Uh-huh. Um, I think embarrassment also is the fear of being judged. And ultimately, you know, uh, it might be a good test here. Like, if it's something that you feel like, not even feel like, if it's something that you want support on, if this mm-hmm. collection of yours is something that you want your friends to support you on, right. then I would put it out in the open. And it actually would be a good test to see which friends are really really there oh, to wow. support all your quirks, you know, your imperfections, warts and all.
1: And it'll bring out some difficult conversations. Yeah, yeah. If someone starts judging you, you can just look at them curiously and say, "Hmm. That's interesting." Yeah. Uh, "Do you realize you're judging me right now? Is there a reason? Yeah. Can we Hey, can we talk about this? Cuz I'm really feeling judged right now." Right, yeah. And don't do it in an accusatory way no. or argumentative way. You don't have to you don't have to be combative, mm-hmm. but you can you, you, you can be communicative, and you know what? It might even strengthen your relationships, and it might make them realize their judgment, and wow, that Absolutely. That, that all of a sudden, they will let down their, their barriers as well, and it might improve the relationship as, as a result. P.S. Ryan, we have three more questions. Nice. And here is my favorite one of the day. Are there any collections that Joshua and Ryan still struggle with? I almost uh, talked about this on
2: on that first question but I decided to save that answer for for this postscript
1: yeah so, so the that one is going to be uh, yeah th- there is one that Bex and I actually had to talk about and has nothing to do with the box of sex toys <laughs> uh, uh, I don't struggle with that at all um, but there is a collection that I called myself out on and Bex is like yeah totally you, mm. you, you do struggle with that mm. we were talking about this week and so I want to share that with you all um, also Sanita asks what are your non-materialistic alternatives to collectibles and I've got a few answers for that one I'm sure Ryan <laughs> yeah. does as well we have one other question from Proud Mama. She says, what is the difference between collectibles and not being able to let go of the past? My husband refuses to let go of objects that remind him of his childhood and it's making it very difficult difficult for me as a minimalist it literally takes up our whole closet because mm. he won't let go man and we're going to talk about all three of those questions if you'd like to hear our answers you can listen to this week's postscript episode over at the minimalist private podcast that is right every week we record an additional podcast episode and it's available exclusively to our patreon subscribers we're able to uh, well ryan lets his hair down a little bit on, <laughs> on the patreon i uh, i loosen my i get a blowout <laughs> 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 I loosened my tie clip. Yeah. Um, no, uh, my clip-on tie, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, no, we we uh, we are a little bit more uh, private on on that one, and we were able to to dive a little bit deeper into to some listener questions there over on Patreon. So if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the Minimalist private podcast feed includes our Ask the Minimalists Anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events, and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. And once you become a subscriber, you'll also receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in your normal podcast player. You know, the podcast player you're using to listen to this episode right now, you can find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional podcast episode every week over at slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's postscript episode. Here's the thing if I want to go shop for something, like a jacket, let's <laughs> say, I mean, usually I'll buy it from a, a, a retailer like Mission Workshop that I already know and trust, but um, I even if i'm walking by a place like and i know i want i'm looking sp- specifically for uh, an item i'll go there for that item essentially have a list of one item or or yeah, if i'm grocery shopping buy only what's on the list don't go and just say i'm just going to go check out see what's on sale yeah that is a way to have a collection run amok without even realizing and all of a sudden you're like Man, how did i get so many clothes in my closet Mm. well it's because i went shopping for them as opposed to shopping for a specific item all right now it's time for our added value portion of the show so we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently Ryan, I was uh, driving around at night in LA. It was during the holidays. We're gonna talk about the holidays here in a sec because this is the first time we're like back officially. And although you're in LA for like a day, I think right now, dude, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> we'll be, talk what, about what, that yeah. during, right here, right now. But yeah. I was driving around at night, and like you know, LA usually has a lot of traffic, but during the holidays, it <sighs> eases up significantly. Dude, and you're dude. like, oh, this must this must be what it was like to live here in 1983 or something. So wonderful, dude. And and uh, what I as I was driving around, um, well, I was listening to Meek Mill's new album and uh, the the first song he, he does a, he has a sample of Phil Collins in the air tonight. (laughs) I can feel it. Yeah. And so I just put on the essential Phil Collins, uh, essential Phil Collins. So the Meek Mill
2: album inspired I'm not recommending the
1: Meek Mill album, although it's good. Yeah. But it inspired you to listen to the Phil Collins album. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, Phil Collins makes the best driving at night music. Period. I can see that. There is, and and I think podcast Sean will agree with me. Sean is a fellow drummer, and uh, I say fellow like I have anything to do with it. I've never even touched a drumstick, but um, uh, he's a huge Phil, Phil Collins fan. But driving around and night, I was with Beck's and Ella, mm-hmm. and like we were just we we're just driving from the airport back home, and you know it's a forty-five minute drive or whatever, but you were able to do it in thirty minutes during the holidays, mm-hmm. and man it's just beautiful open road phil collins at night mm-hmm. the f- essential phil collins another album i've been listening to recently dude i, told um, I gotta download that man yeah it's it's really good it, i think you could find it wherever you you get music it's just essential phil collins um one of my fi- i don't know how i missed this album last year year uh it came out last year hmm. uh, the lead singer of slow runner michael flynn oh so a uh, Oh, such an underrated band, one of the best bands of all time is a band called Slow Runner. Yeah, they're from Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, Michael better. Flynn put out, and not the the political Michael Flynn. He's just his name happens to be Michael Flynn. But uh, he
2: put out a solo album. Oh my gosh, this is second, second, right? Second, I was gonna yeah, say, I know he did another one. The new one
1: is called Pretend Like, mm. and the first song is the the lead single from it is called Greater Charlotte. Mm. Oh, the writing on it. And this is different from all his previous... You know, all his previous music is sort of like sad, upbeat music, mm. which is weird. Like, the writing... Although, actually, a lot of it's just upbeat. When he talks about you make me sing to the house plants or you make me auto-happy. Like, yeah. there are all these, like, really upbeat love songs. And on here... Uh, something must have happened to him he must have gone through some sort of breakup Mm. and uh, man the the writing on it is just so gorgeous in fact Sean maybe we end this episode with with Greater Charlotte unless you're watching this on YouTube then you'll have to click the link that Jordan puts in in the video but um, the album is called pretend like and it's by Michael Flynn and it is just gorgeous awesome man what about you what's been adding value to your life well let's see
2: I just got back from Florida um my grandfather passed away it's uh it's funny man it was kind of expected in the sense that he's 80 he was 81 so any any time that i have spent time around my my oma and my opa yeah uh i just kind of tell myself like five more years if we can just get five more years out of them wow and so that's kind of the expectation i've been having for the last couple years so it doesn't it doesn't make it super easy when someone dies that you love, but, um, I guess, you know, it just, t- it takes the edge off a little bit, I guess. But anyway, uh, being down there reminded me of how grateful I am for Mariah's and I's process on keeping track of important documents mm. and being prepared for, uh, an unlikely, uh, accident or, you know, whatever, an unlikely event uh, where if Mariah needs access to power of attorney or title to my car or whatever it is, like we know exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm going to recommend, uh, I guess this is technically two recommendations. There is an essay we wrote. Um, it's called uh, Scared to Death About Death. It's uh, theminimalists.com forward slash death. And it has a really good recipe there on how anyone can prepare for Uh, for death essentially and that's something that we
1: all have to we all have to consider and we are scared to death of even talking about death right yeah absolutely i know know people who won't even talk to their significant other and so i don't know what position you were in when you were going through if he he did sounds like he didn't have a lot of this stuff sorted out right
2: i mean we everything was okay the biggest i think the biggest angst right now is we cannot find the titles to the cars So uh, that said, though, it took us. I mean, I was there four or five days, and for four or five days, my aunt, my uncle, my my oma, Mariah, and I, we were digging through just boxes and boxes of papers and records, looking for different things, and we found most of it except for the car titles. But uh, you know, I I guess that brings me to kind of the second recommendation: is get a filing cabinet, get a filing cabinet that locks, Mm -hmm. or a lockbox. He had he had. Lockboxes. Oh, no. And he had
1: briefcases that locked. (laughs) (laughs) Have a place where where you can go where all that stuff is. In fact, I'll even add a step further. One thing that Bex and I will do I wanna say once a year, but I've probably made her go through it, because I'm morbid, uh, like three times this, mm. this past year. I'm like, all right, pretend I'm dead. I'll just go lay on the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, where are all the documents? <laughs> <laughs> where are the documents? Where do you find- Is that what she's into? I
2: didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey. <you> will- <laughs> it's only for our Patreon subscribers. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, uh, y- you know what? I, I, we will go through the exercise, and, and jokingly, yes, yeah, sometimes I'll lay on the floor and be like, all right, pretend I'm dead. Now, where do you find the password to my phone? to my computer, Mm. to my email. Um, And she has all of these, we have a a, a spreadsheet of Mm -hmm. passwords all there, but also a locked cabinet with all of our, our documents. My power of attorney, my li- last will and testament, my, my living will, etc. cetera. Um, and so all of that, links to all that stuff, and you can use whatever place you wanna use. I think I use LegalZoom for all of it, not an ad. that they, don't, uh, they have never given me any money to talk about them. Or
2: even if it's just like uh, you've put, uploaded to the cloud yourself, I mean. Right, but
1: yeah. we have a couple links in theminimalists.com slash death. So that's a good, good place to go um, so that you have you know, a peace of mind. You're, you're paying for a peace of mind and it's not that expensive.
2: Dude, my Oma, like, she even said, she's like, oh, man, like, this really makes me wonder how prepared, you know, how prepared the family is for when I go. And it's, like, helped her, you know, reminder for her to be like, oh, I need to make sure all my things are in order. So, yeah, um, yeah. People, you gotta prepare for death. Yeah. What, I mean... Ho- You probably got a long, long life ahead of you, Mm -hmm. but you still got to prepare.
1: One thing I just signed up for is term life insurance and Mm. we're going to sign up. I just talked to an insurance guy, business life insurance this year, um, uh, because those are all also things, you know, it, making sure that you have those those things in order. In case yeah. I were to die, I want to make sure that you have something to, to, to keep the, the minimalists going. And I want to make sure Bex is taken care of. Uh, and so having some term life insurance is is another, play, another another thing, and that's all there in my file cabinet, right? And so yeah. Bex has instant access to that uh, if, if she needs it. All right, let's move on to right here, right now, where we talk about what's going on <laughs> in the lives of the minimalists.
2: Yeah, man. I uh, I see you got Christmas and New Year's, but I, I talked to my dad. I want to like start this catching up with okay. seeing my dad. So uh, we were just in Florida uh-huh. and uh, my dad came down because it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, um, it was it was very hard for me to. Uh, to, you and
1: your dad haven't been communicating for a right,
2: while. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. I should probably catch people up on what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah. my dad and I haven't talked in almost a year. If
1: you haven't listened to the parents episode, which was a while yeah, check ago. check it out. Yeah.
2: So just the cliff note would be a year ago, my dad called me up and said, hey, just to let you know, uh, your stepmother showed me this Bible verse that says that uh, we shouldn't even be having <laughs> meals with you. So I'm uh, don't plan on ever having a meal with me ever again. Uh, unless you, you know, he lays out his, his his things that he needs me to do so he can have a meal with me. Um, and uh, he, don't call me unless it's a, it's an emergency. So this is where it started, and I was like, "I'm that, sorry,
1: to laugh because this sounds it's so absurd. Like it's it's
2: hard to not it's laugh cra- at it. It's crazy." So so I was like, you know, um, I said, "Okay, uh, if that's the case, then you know, like I I sent him this long email, like, dude, you're we can't talk anymore. Like I'm sorry, but when every time I talk to you, it is a." Judgment. It is a, you're giving me ultimatums. Um, There's nothing encouraging about our communication. You are just tearing me down. So I do not uh, foster relationships when that's what the relationship does to my life. Mm. And um, you know, like we talk about the superpower we have now is the power of letting go. And even with, you know, that relationship with my father, um, I can, I can recognize like, Oh, um, he's, he's not, it's not just, he's, it's not that he's just not helping or it's just, it's not that he's not supportive, but he's the exact opposite. So uh, we were down in Florida and I'll, I'll tell you, man, like it was very emotional. Um, but what I'll say are two things. I want to give my dad credit for totally being there in the, in an emergency. And yes, they were avoiding eating meals with us. I mean, it was, it's really insulting, but, um, but by and large, it wasn't that bad. That's what my dad kept saying. This isn't that bad. And I'm like, okay, like that's that's fine. And we kind of had a conversation. But I guess what I really want our audience to take away from this is when my grandfather died and my dad came down and there is this emergency situation in the family, um, the, the ability to be respectful, the ability to be um, cordial, the ability to not let out all the visceral feelings i have
1: not be combative
2: to not be combative uh to you, you feel like that's what you want to do right oh yeah man like it's in fact there was one particular night that we had a conversation and you, i he, your dad yeah right. and we we were talking about all these things that um that you know that's been on my mind for the last year and uh the other thing i want to give my dad credit for is when i get emotional uh, especially with a conversation and especially with someone who I feel so comfortable with. Mm, yeah. I interrupt a lot. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to remember to be respectful during conversations like that. And my dad was very patient with me and he would even be like, hey, you can say what you want, but you kind of interrupted me there. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. But I guess um, you know, coming at, at it in a sense of trying to be respectful, not being combative, I just realized like I could I could talk to my worst enemy if I keep those two things at heart. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we had some pretty good conversations and, um, you know, I just pretty much was like, Hey man, I hope I don't have to wait till the next funeral to see you. You know, I hope there's something else uh, that we can work out and, you know, we're still working through our stuff, but, but just that takeaway of, um, just trying to be respectful, man. Like it really helped everything be peaceful and it really helped, uh, it was most importantly it helped my my oma it helped her the most and and that's what i really appreciate about it so
1: i, th- I think it's it's good that you're able to set that aside because you know my my opinion of your father has dropped dramatically yeah. uh over the last year or two um and we don't have to go into details in public <clears throat> in fact um uh, maybe we could talk about some stuff on, on the, the postscript. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. um, In fact, uh, I had a pretty traumatic Christmas and New Year's Eve, like the yeah. most traumatic of my life. So I just want
2: everyone listening to this know uh-huh. that Josh came to me on like December 26th. Uh-huh. And he was like, dude, I had the craziest Christmas experience. I can't wait to talk to you about it on the podcast. Yeah. The day that we're recording this is January 8th. I've been in anticipation
1: for the last two weeks. <laughs> well, you got to wait a little bit longer. I'm, I'm going to no! save it for the postscript because oh. I need a, a safer space than this. All right. And I just don't want all the, the tweets to come. Ca- I mean, we have oh. yeah, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who listen to this thing. And... Uh, um yeah, I'm going to save it for the postscript uh, to talk about Christmas and New Year's Eve. You just love you just love making me hang on, don't you? I am headed to Montana this week and so are you. Yeah. Uh, um be- so by the time you're listening to this, by the time this comes out, Ella's having a uh, head surgery. Mm um so um, everyone think about her and, and send her nice tweet she's at Ella Sandwich on Twitter if you want to tweet her and, and uh, she uh, she says the craziest things we got so many great tweets from her this week um, but uh, uh, yeah she's having head surgery and uh, so we have a, a good surgeon up there awesome it's, it's a, it was a terrible storm and she was about six months old um she was in daycare and they were negligent and they left her in this mesh crib and uh, uh, unsupervised for uh, i don't know several you know minutes and she just kept rubbing her head against the the mesh that, uh, trying to escape essentially mm. and it, it it looks like she has male pattern baldness right here in the spot on the top of her head mm. a huge bloody scar for you know, months and months and months and now uh, we have to get a fix you know she's in kindergarten now and, and mm-hmm. now is the right time to get the get a fix because we well, don't want her to feel uh, ostracized by other kids. And, mm-hmm. uh, we usually, when you ever, see pictures of her and stuff, she always has her hair up because mm-hmm. of that. There's this huge bold spot there. So yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're going to take care of that this, uh, this week. But I think it'll be it'll be great. It's gonna be great for her. Yeah. And um, and then of course I'll talk about my traumatic holidays <laughs> on the postscript. Uh, we have uh, it's a new year and a lot of people. This is the month where a lot of people start writing again. Mm. And I can tell you the best decision that Ryan and I ever made was the fall of 2010. We started a blog. Yeah. It ended up being a great financial decision for us too because it led to books and tours and this podcast and well, a documentary
2: it, yeah it's funny when you say financial situation though it's not like the blog makes us money
1: no it's, and that's the thing it, it's more
2: about it gave us it gave us a public voice
1: absolutely yeah. and, and it gave us a public voice to those first 52 readers who showed up which right. were basically just facebook friends and stuff and um uh, the first, uh, early on, the first year or two, uh, 2011, 2012, we had so many people asking us, like, how did you start your blog? It looks beautiful. And, and eventually we, we wrote an essay called How to Start a Successful Blog because mm-hmm. we had amassed a, a decent size audience, several thousand people at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, more and more people kept asking about it. Well, we just updated it for 2019, all new screenshots and everything. And if you're interested in starting your own blog, if you're interested in just improving your writing habit, blogging is the best thing to do. Just writing a a weekly blog, developing that habit is really important. You can do that relatively inexpensively or even free. I mean, WordPress itself is free. Hosting it somewhere is a couple bucks a month. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's one of the, the cheapest ways for you to create this habit. And if you want a step-by-step guide on how you can set up a blog in less than an hour, and don't spend the hundred hours that Ryan and I spent trying to figure out HTML and realizing that wasn't the way to go, uh, head on over to theminimalists.com slash blog. It's called How to Start a Successful Blog, and it's updated for 2019. That's out there right now. Also, I wanted to bring this up, Ryan. It's been five years this month since our good friend Stan Dukes passed away. We did a whole episode about Stan. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes if you wanna. Uh, we had a, a, a tearful conversation a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was January of, man, maybe that was uh, 20, yeah, 2017, something like that. 20, yeah, 2016. Because yeah. we were in Missoula, It was right? 2017, yeah. Oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah but it, we, we did a conversation, but it's been five years now, and so, We wrote this essay or I wrote this essay when when we were on tour, we were just starting our crazy hundred city tour, January, 2014. And I want to just recognize Stan, but also we have some really great life lessons from him. Yeah. And they're especially applicable to me right now with some of the, the trauma that I've been going through and in my own health. So let's, uh, let's read this. This is called live like Stan. The traffic light hanging above our car is a blur of red. The tears are burning my eyes. Ryan is seated in the passenger seat next to me. He too is teary-eyed. It's the, big e- it's the eve of our big 100-city book tour. The Florida sun has already set behind the Tampa Bay. Nightfall is upon us now. By the time the traffic light changes, it's just a mess of wet green, a shapeless emerald cloud spilling into the nighttime ether. I received the call a moment earlier. The news, a week after Ryan avoided his own death, there's a whole separate essay about that. He got into a really bad car crash. A week after Ryan avoided his own death, one of my closest friends, Stanley Dukes, pictured above, is dead. This isn't gonna be easy to write. Overwhelmed with unanswerable questions, I feel a canyon of sorrow. I can't see past the tears. He was only 36, so I'm compelled to pin a thousand cliches. Life is too short. Every day is a gift. You never know when you're going to go, so live your life to the fullest. While all these truisms are apt, the truth is that Stan lived more in his three and a half decades than most people could in a hundred years. Stanley Dukes was a Mozart of positive living and so his attenuated life was not in vain. Of course, this doesn't erase the pain, but it makes it easier to handle. We met in the corporate world a decade ago. At first, when I was a regional manager, Stan Dukes worked for me as a store manager, but he was so talented and he added so much value to so many people's lives that I often felt as though I worked for him. Although he managed dozens of employees, his genius was most pronounced in his ability to inspire people who weren't self-motivated, which, If you know anything about leading people, it's sort of like convincing water to be less wet. But somehow, he did it. Always carrying with him a smile and his positive mental attitude. As a result, he was one of the most successful managers in the company. I remember you and, and him, Ryan, would always like battle it out for one and two out of all the store <laughs> managers I know, man. uh, in the company for several years in a row. Over time, we became close friends. We shared similar values and beliefs as well as tastes in literature and movies and music. I traded him my overwrought short stories for his hilarious, pseudonymous, erotic fiction. We exchanged lines from Glengarry Glen Ross characters and we both shared a healthy obsession for John Mayer's music. We became so close that he is even the first person who makes an appearance, appearance in my memoir, Everything That Remains, where he pops his huge, lovable head into the very first page. And this is the short excerpt with uh, with Stan there from Everything That Remains. Our identities are shaped by the costumes I wear. I'm seated in a cramped conference room surrounded by ghosts and shirt sleeves and pleated trousers. There are thirty-five, maybe forty people here, middle managers, the lot of us, mostly Caucasian, mostly male, all oozing apathy. The group's median complexion is that of an agoraphobe. A Microsoft Excel spreadsheet is projected onto an oversized canvas pulled from the ceiling at the front of the room. The canvas is flimsy and cracked, and is the shade of off-white that suggests it's a relic from a time when employees were allowed to smoke indoors. The rest of the room is aggressively white. The walls are white, the ceiling is white, the people are white, as if all cut from the same materials. Well, everyone except Stan, seated at the back of the room. Cincinnati's population is 45% black, but Stan is part of our company's single-digit percentage. His comments, rarely solicited by executives, are often dismissed with a nod and a pained smile. Although he's the size of an NFL linebacker, Stan is a paragon of kindness but that doesn't stop me from secretly hoping that one day he'll get fed up with the patronizing grins and make it his duty to reformat one of the boss's fish-eyed faces. Return to the uh, essay here. Of course, Stan would have never touched a hair on any of their balding heads. He was above that. Mm. He was above all the petty bullshit we get caught up in every day. He was above living life based on other people's standards. His standards were too high for that. He had character. Stan contributed beyond himself. Each year at Christmas time, he dressed up as Stanta <laughs> <laughs> and handed out gifts to our employees. God, I forgot all about that until right now. <laughs> he sure did. Good old Stanta. <laughs> yeah. He spent many off hours donating his time to soup kitchens and Habitat for, hum- for Humanity. Last year, he founded a mentorship conference for young men ages 13 to 18. Stan cared. When I decided to leave the corporate world three years ago, he didn't flinch. Instead, he was the first to join me. He, we walked away together, guided by solidarity and a kinship that's impossible to manufacture. Before I moved to Montana, we met for coffee weekly. Our visits yielded heartfelt advice on women and life, as well as arguments over which album uh, was John Mayer's best, heavier things or, or battle studies. Mm. Jordan, by the way, it's definitely heavier things. Just so you know, <laughs> uh, Jordan, no more is uh, also an avid uh, John Mayer fan. What is your favorite? If you say Continuum, you're gonna. The search for everything is your favorite John Mayer album. Is
2: that the first one? It's
1: not even an album. Is that his first album? It's four. It's four playlists.
2: Is is that the one with? Uh, it's the
1: brand new one. And oh, oh yeah. That's it has right. a It has a really great cover.
2: It's funny. Mine's. Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite one's Born and Raised, man. Only because... I like it. I like it a lot. It's a very Montana album. I was going to say... But Paradise
1: Valley is even more Montana.
2: Yeah, I was going to say my second was Paradise Valley, but that's because both of those albums came out when we lived in Montana, and Born and Raised came out like right when we moved to Montana. Yeah. And it was like this affirmation that, I'm doing the right thing,
1: man. We're we're doing the right thing. The Shadow Days, the song Shadow Days in there is one of my favorite John Mayer songs. It's truly, truly great. Um, The Search for Everything, I it was it was a rather just disjointed album, like it was all over the place for me. I think that was his intention, though it's the obviously the title is the search for everything, right? um oh my I, God, we're getting lost in the weeds. With yeah, <laughs> we are sorry, uh thanks, Stan. wherever you are, all right, back to the text here. <clears throat> everything about Stan reflected a profound truth. Even his simple tweets were steeped in profundity. I'm going to read some of his tweets here. These, these are in the essay. We'll put a link to this essay in the show notes if y'all want to share it. Here are some of Stan Dukes' tweets. And these are some of the most profound, um, especially in light of his death. A man can't walk out of his own story. (sighs) I mean, these blow me away. I'm getting chills. Um, secure your own mask before assisting others Mm. and that was really like i feel like stan lived that like he helped himself but he also helped other people uh but he helped himself he knew he needed to have the best version of himself there to help other people uh there's a bright spot in every shadow it's the bitter and the sweet i know the bitter that allows me to appreciate the sweet man i've been living that recently Mm. only your actions can prove your worth They tell people who you are. Mm. And finally, don't drown in conformity. And Stan definitely did not drown in conformity. Uh, He didn't drown in the status quo either. Countless essays on our site were inspired by my conversations with Stan. Our final conversation was mimetic of his life. It was short but meaningful. Three days before Thanksgiving, I sent him a message. I don't have to wait till Thursday to be thankful for you. I'm grateful you're in my life. To which he replied succinctly, thanks for that. Know that I feel the same. Stan lived until he died. He truly lived. Every day. Not like most of us who walk through life like it's some kind of dress rehearsal. Worrying about bullshit that doesn't matter. Nope. Stan was so alive. One of the only people I know who didn't take this life for granted. If there's a lesson to be learned here, it's that Like Stan, we're all gonna die, but few of us will be courageous enough to live as he did, honest, well-rounded, passionate, positive, and constantly improving. Above all, Stan Dukes was good people, a man I aspire to live like. That green blur overhead is my signal to step on the gas, to wipe the tears and move forward. Perhaps you'll do likewise. I know Stan would.
2: Yeah, man. Well, thanks for
1: making me all sad. <laughs> it's my job. I miss him so much, man. Me too. I, I know that we'd be we'd be working with him right now. He'd be out here I'm in LA with us. Like and he'd be out in LA right, here, right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, he was 36, but really did live more in those... I mean, he's younger than... He was like the older, wiser version, I remember, because, I mean, five years ago, I was 32, and he was 36, and... And I, I looked up to him in many ways and he looked up to me in, in some ways. Um and like we were mentors to each other. But um man, yeah, I'm missing, but I'm grateful for the time that we had that we had together. Yeah. Um I'm gonna talk a little bit about some changes that we're about to make coming up really, really soon. We have some exciting news for you all, if you're a fan of our podcast, especially if you're a Patreon supporter, but even if you're not a Patreon supporter, I, this is some some exciting news. We're, we're going to make a, some some slight changes to the, I want to say format of the podcast, but the format itself is going to stay relatively unchanged. So let's talk about this, this exciting news that we have, Ryan. Um, you and I have been talking for the last month or two about sharing some more in-depth conversations, some more personal conversations. So in uh, in March, 2019, so that's right around the corner, a month and a half away, right? The Minimalist Podcast, uh, the one you listen to right now, the popular free public version is changing its format so we can produce some more meaningful and more intimate, private and personal podcast episodes for our Patreon subscribers. And why are we doing this, you ask? Well, Ryan and I have had a lot of conversations about that, and we've also talked to Jordan and podcast Sean about this. And there are some topics that we want to discuss semi-privately you know how like a stand-up comic we will go to like the the comedy store and some some comics are working on brand new material and Mm -hmm. it doesn't always land but sometimes it lands perfectly and you can tell they're they're working out some stuff and Mm -hmm. and for us we want to be able to work out some some stuff and and work out some some conversations some semi-private conversations in front of a a small empathetic understanding group of, of of people you know conversations we'd have with trusted friends and, and, and we need that, that group of, of trusted friends. And because our Patreon subscribers are the people who support our work the most, uh, we believe that our Patreon subscribers are the best people to share these conversations with, not not the entire world. Now we'll refine some stuff, and then it'll make its way back out into the the main podcast feed as well, and and uh, and to other creations. But Patreon is really going to be the place where we start having some in-depth conversations, longer form podcasts, so to speak. So well, it's interesting because the way we've been approaching this
2: is. The, you know, hour and a half to sometimes three hour long podcasts. Right. Those are what we dish out. Right. And then with Patreon, we're like, oh, here's a bonus question. Uh And it's like a 10 minute episode. Yeah. And it's like, you know, looking at that model, it seems inverse.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, And well, I, what I've noticed is people really like, for the last month or so, we've been doing a little bit longer episodes on Patreon, mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40-minute episodes on yeah. Patreon. And people on, on our, from our Patreon audience really, really enjoy that. Um, and because, you know, you're able to listen to the Minimalist private podcast feed in your, your normal podcast player. Mm-hmm. And it really does feel like it's just it feels looser and it feels like, oh yeah, we're just having this conversation. I remember the first tour we did back in 2011 and like 20 people would gather around mm-hmm. and we never felt too self-conscious about what we were saying because we are just having these conversations with this group of yeah. people yep. instead of a million people who might be listening to the podcast. And so we want to be able to think out loud in front of a small group of people who are willing to give us the leeway to grow and fail and change our minds in real time. And we need to be able to talk about our, our failed habits, our family lives, you know, things like we talk about with your dad, and I'm sure we'll dive deeper in today's Postscript episode. Yeah. Um, our struggles, our personal relationships, our emotions, our insecurities, without fear of judgment or public ridicule, right? I mean, the, the, the thing is, Um, Yeah, judgment is obviously real, but there are some real sensitive things we want to be able to talk about, right? And so we believe that Patreon is the place for us to delve into sensitive subjects, difficult discussions, and occasionally lighten things up with, with our chowder-headed tom <laughs> we think we're funny <laughs> and uh uh patreon is, is the patreon is the best way for us to, to fund our podcast as well and keep it 100 percent advertisement free because that's one thing that we agreed on from the beginning we don't want to just p- pepper in a whole bunch of advertisements about mattresses and underwear and stuff it's not us judging other people for doing that it doesn't align with what we want to produce here and so yeah. this is a great way for us to to make the podcast a hundred percent advertisement free, and then also keep the the main feed free for for everyone who wants to indulge in that. So next month, that's uh, February twenty nineteen, the Minimalist Podcast, the the main the main feed, is taking a month off. Uh, we're taking a month off from the public podcasts. So. Uh, we're still going to record four private podcast episodes for our Patreon audience in, in February. So if you want to listen to the podcast, still support our show in February, the only place to do that will be on Patreon because we're going to take the month off from The Minimalist feed. Uh, the four episodes that we're going to, and we could really use your questions, Patreon supporters, we could, uh, we're could we going to record four episodes, one about products, one about happiness, one about branding. So, so the products one is sort of like, what products do we find value in? But then also, what products are we being sold that we think we get value from? And we've got some really good articles to, to discuss in these as well. The happiness episode, uh, there's some science, uh, some new science about happiness and what makes us happy. And uh, I want to talk about that with Ryan and uh, see if we agree or disagree on that. Uh, the branding episode, we've been there's some interesting stuff going on with branding recently and the advertisers who sell these brands to us. And hmm. some questions I have about, you know, I think all of us are brands to some extent now sure, uh, and we're branding ourselves online. We're trying to put our best foot forward, you know, follow me on Twitter at JFM. This is my brand, yeah. but is it authentic? And what does authentic even mean in, in today's world? Right? Hmm. And also we're going to do an ap- episode on gentrification which is uh, a very sensitive subject. God, but man, I've got some really great articles to, to discuss. In some places, it's a really big problem. In some places, it is the opposite of a problem. Mm-hmm. Like You actually have to hope for gentrification. And let's talk about why. Uh, why it may, it may be useful in, in, in certain places. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do this four episodes. So if you have questions about these topics, you can leave them for us on, on Patreon. Uh, then beginning in March, after we take the month off of the main podcast, the minimalist podcast, the the popular free public version, will return with 30 minute episodes. So shorter episodes using the same format. So similar to our current format, we're gonna answer voicemail questions. We have lightning round questions, added value right here, right now. Just gonna be more attenuated. We're gonna call these a minimal episode. And we're gonna try and do it in less than 30 minutes every week. Yeah. And in doing so, it's that uh, creative restraint. We might build something beautiful. And. Strangely, a lot of people have actually asked for this, and right. large chunks of our audience have asked, "Hey, why don't you make the episode shorter?" And I know I've been snarky and said, "Well, it's it's as short as you want it to be," mm-hmm. and it's never going to be short enough for everyone. That's not the reason we're doing it, but it is going to help some people. who are like, I really would love to have a thirty-minute episode every week instead of these two-hour behemoths. Yeah. But if you want an additional episode on top of that, that's where we're going to do everything else is on Patreon. So. Each week we'll record an additional 60 plus minute episode on Patreon about the topic we're discussing that week. So maybe we're doing a a discussion about decluttering, right? Mm -hmm. And so we'll do the 30 minute episode about decluttering, but then we'll dive deep into patrons questions and there'll be a few different tiers and and more details on on that coming soon. We're going to call those longer episodes, 60 plus minutes. It might be 90 minutes. It might be two hours. Who knows how long we'll go. Uh, we'll call those the Maximal episodes. And so you, if you want the free minimal, you still get that. You still get our, our podcast. You download it. You listen to it. Still be 100% advertisement free. And if you want to dive deep with us and enjoy some of these more intimate conversations, you can do that as well. We're also going to add a new segment. This is Ryan's idea. It's a segment called More About Less. Each week during our Patreon-only Maximal episode, we'll read about a current event that ties directly or indirectly to minimalism. Then we'll share our opinions, and because Ryan and I both have different points of view, sometimes radically different points of view, <laughs> politically or-, or that's what keeps it interesting, man. Exactly. It's it's not just us. We're not parodying each other. Mm-hmm. We have parody with a lot of things in our life because we have the same values, but we have different beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, different points of view politically and, and, and spiritually and emotionally. So we'll probably disagree on, on many of the topics we discuss over there on Patreon, but- I'm sure you won't mind if uh mommy and daddy argue a little bit as long as we we hug it out afterward. <laughs> Uh, we got more details coming next month uh, on these uh, Patreon-only episodes. If you're interested in, in signing up for that, you can head on over right now to theminimalists.com slash support. You can find a link to our Patreon account there, or you can go directly to Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash minimalist. We really appreciate your support, y'all. Amen. All right, what else do we have here? You can comment on this episode today at youtube.com slash minimalist. Speaking of YouTube, we're ending season two of Living Room conversations Uh, i think we're 50 episodes into living room conversations the first season was 30 episodes second season about 20 or 21 episodes and um you can go catch up on all those now we may embark on a season three sometime in the future i don't know when Mm. uh the 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 theme of this year is subtract for us so Mm. we're, we're finding ways to subtract in fact we're gonna do an episode about subtracting and um really, that, that that's what we're looking to do is subtract a little bit. So we're, we're pulling back on living room conversations for a while. There's 50 of them out there. If you haven't seen all 50 of them, now's the time for you to go back and find the ones that interest you most, youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your email inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. And you'll also receive our Simple Sundays emails each week. We've got some tips or essays or different writings about simplicity each week over at theminimalists.com. Just go there, enter your email address at the top. And speaking of of simple it's your last chance to sign up for a simple year it's uh, 12 months of guided simplicity if you go to theminimalists.com simple year it's a course with 12 different experts ryan and i i guess it's 13 experts because you and i are we do one month uh, so the the 12 months of guided simplicity uh, 12 different topics throughout 2019. And uh, it's the last chance. January's last chance to sign up. Theminimalists.com slash simple year. Of course, I don't think you need to sign up. You don't need a book or a course to simplify your life. But if you feel like you need a little bit of help, then maybe 12 months of guided simplicity is for you. Ryan, what else you got for us?
2: As always, I just want to encourage people to read more and get informed. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out.
5: Hi guys, my name is Ian, uh, and I'm from Boston, Mass. Uh, I have a tip for a caller uh, named John who was on the Hope podcast. Uh, he said he wasn't noticing any benefits from decluttering. Uh, my advice to him would be to, you know, once the room is decluttered, cleaned, and rid of all the junk, just simply just be present in that room and to really take it all in. Um, take your mind away from the mental shatter and simply just be in the space that you decluttered Um, that helped me really notice um, the calm and you know decluttered space around me hey josh and ryan my name is donovan from akron ohio and i've been practicing minimalism since about five years ago after an enlightening bout with bed bugs perhaps a story for another time i'm calling in with a tip for other listeners who struggle with items that they love but don't see as practical I have a special category for these items. I refer to them as things that make my heart sing. For example, as a part of my wardrobe, I own a holiday sweater that can really only be worn during Christmas time and a bow tie that I get to wear maybe half a dozen times a year. I could probably replace these with something more practical or get rid of them altogether. But every time I think about or see these items, I smile and my heart swells up with joy. It sings. So for me, These things don't necessarily bring value in their immediate practicality, but instead they bring value in the form of joy. Because I only own a handful of these items, I'm able to get true joy out of using each and every one of these, things that make my heart sing.
4: Hi, this is Kristen in Asheville, and I had a comment for Sarah, who's in Salt Lake City and moving to San Francisco. Um, There was a, a solution for her to store the things she loves, and there was a solution for her to get rid of them, And also at one point, y'all said to maybe invest in expensive furniture that you would keep if you wanted to do that. And as a mom of twin boys who are now 10 and a daughter who's 11, I would say that if you're going to buy new furniture at this point in your life, Ikea would be the way to go. It has great aesthetics, and I know it's not the best, but your kids are going to tear up your furniture. So um, I wouldn't invest in anything nice. At this point, unless you're a way stricter parent than I am and keep your kids in line on the furniture. But anyway, um, I just wanted to throw that out there because you can have a great looking house that will temporarily get you through the kid years for not a lot of money. And then you can get the expensive stuff that you love.
1: All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists or if you have a tip for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839, or you can email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Sean, why don't we play them out here with uh, Greater Charlotte by Michael Flynn. Unless you're on YouTube, then click somewhere. Right here, right here.
0: I'm going out today. I'm going to gamble with the few lives I have left before you went away. You went and rearranged the contents of my chest Now there's a hole the size of Greater Charlotte There's a moon that makes the ocean ebb and flow There's a note left on the blood-stained carpet Back later, babe, I'm going out A roomy vibe Except for the baggage That a previous tenant left And then you arrived And went and realigned The contents of my chest Never know how the dark gets in you Years later you're still shoveling out the smoke Is this a joke? Is it over?